Welcome, everybody, to another podcast of White Coats of the Round Table. You got me today, John McDonald, and you know when you hear my voice first, it's probably going to be a little bit unstructured, but we are joined, as always, with uh, Mike, my other co-host. But today is going to be a little bit different, where we usually talk about healthcare, our careers, our trajectories, and where we want to go. But today, figured we want to get a little, uh, get to know a little bit more about Mike and I, about our history. My wife said we have to be a little bit more personable and talk about our our past a bit more or, or where we're from. And so today, Mike, that's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you some questions. You're going to ask me some questions, and we're going to let some people know more about us. Um, but how exciting! Uh, yeah, if, I'm just thrilled. If you get to know more about us and you don't like us, I understand if it's Mike that you don't like. Us. Our subscriber list is going to drop after this episode. Yeah. Well, my my fans have been asking for it, right? So okay, fair enough. But anyways, so uh, I want to jump right into it, if that's okay with you. Uh, I know that you you structure things so well, Mike, and I'm the one that fly by the seat, flies by the seat of my pants. I remember a boss one time told me, my, my manager told me that I have to have better plans because not everybody in the world can fly by the seat of your pants like you <laughs> John. So, but today I'm going to take some freedom. So, Mike, I want to talk a little about when we are younger, um, how our personalities really were formulated, what life was like growing up. So, uh, why don't you just tell me a little bit about what you remember most about being a kid and your hopes and dreams? And we'll start from there. Yeah, so I assume we're going to talk about this kind of within the lens of what formulated our career choices and all that, right? Not just personally. Um, I mean, you you take it however you want to take it, John. So yeah, it's interesting because I think growing up, my dad worked for Fisher, well, still works for Fisher Price, and he had a 45-minute commute every day, which the older I get, the more I don't understand that. Because I am so thankful to have a small commute to my office and the fact that he spent an hour and a half in the car every day. And it, I know people in big cities do that all the time, but it's wild. And I remember him always working late into the evening. Remember him bringing home work and setting it down on the kitchen table and working. So one of the things that drew me to medicine initially, I think, was the idea that I wanted a job that was more shift work, more nine to five, clock in, clock out. And I, I know it's ironic because I work a lot now. But growing up, one of the things that I remember was just always seeing my dad working. And I don't actually remember it as a bad thing. So part of that is probably also why I work hard is I remember him working, but I also remember him being present for you know all these major events and things. So it's not like he was absent because of work. But I recall as a young kid, like waiting up for him to get home and us waiting on dinner and it was already dark out because it was winter waiting for him to get home and then eating dinner and then rolling right into bed and as I was growing up already as I was thinking about what I wanted to do when I grew up you know by the time I got into middle school high school one of the things that attracted me to medicine was the idea that there were jobs where you could punch in punch out and just do shift work so that I think is from a career standpoint what I remember growing up the other thing I think that was kind of really strong in formulating my desire to go into medicine is I played tons of sports, played soccer, played basketball, did track. As a result, had injuries like every other athlete does and just fell in love with physical therapy. So I had several injuries and I had to rehab those injuries and just loved 
the laid back atmosphere of PT, loved the idea of helping athletes perform better. So initially from, I would say maybe eighth grade through 11th grade, I was convinced I was locked in that I wanted to be a physical therapist and it made sense, right? I was a three sport athlete. I was going to go do PT. I wanted to do sports medicine and performance-based medicine. And interestingly, I think early in high school, my parents thankfully encouraged me over the summer to do an internship with a family friend who was a physical therapist. And this was unpaid. It was just something where I went and volunteered as a 14-year-old kid. And Brett Long, who is a family friend who was the physical therapist, was awesome, took me under his wing. I went there a couple days a week over the summer. And my parents would drop me off at the hospital. I would have $5 in my pocket to buy my own lunch. It was very adult to me. And I loved it. Absolutely loved it. So it kind of solidified for me, this is the path I wanted to go. But physical therapist Brett told me, don't become a physical therapist. He said, why do you want to do this? He said, the the physical therapy profession is changing. We all just went to a doctorate. Pay is going down. There's too many therapists and not enough jobs. He said, this is not a great career in terms of outlook or perspective. He said, you should look into what my wife does. My wife's a PA. And I'd never even heard of PA, didn't know what it was. As many, I thought it was an assistant. So looked into it and found that it was uh, one year shorter of school than PT. The pay was, at the, I think at that time, 20 grand higher coming out of school. And if you go into physical therapy or PA school, PAs can work in any medical setting. So there were PAs that worked in ortho. There were PAs that worked in sports medicine. So it was like this light bulb moment of, wait, you're telling me I can go to school for one year less, come out making more money, and still work in sports medicine. Heck yeah, that sounds great. So I uh, was someone who was maybe very arrogant as a you know, teenager. Big shock because us teenagers, we have it all figured out. So my junior year of high school, when I was starting to apply to colleges and all that, I applied to one school. I applied to Damon University's PA program, and they had a bachelor-master combined program. So in uh, five years, you can come out with your bachelor's and master's. And it was an intense program. It went through the summers and very high credit load to get it all in in five years. But you were coming out in five years to a career where you could make six figures. So I applied to one school. My guidance counselor lost her mind. She's like, you need to have backup schools. You need to have other options. What if you don't get in? And I was like, yeah, it'll be fine. I'll get in. Thankfully, I did get in. And uh, the rest is history. So that was kind of my childhood or maybe in my mind, the things that stuck out within my early formative years that led me to medicine. Uh, what, how about you? What, do you, what was your childhood looking like? Well, it's really funny. I, I want to start at the end, and I'm going to go back again. You said Damon, I, and I'm sure we've talked about this before, Mike, but I applied to PA school to oh, yeah. Bill and mm-hmm. Damon as well, and I got accepted, um, but I chose pharmacy. Uh, I think we would have been in the same class, too, because, yeah, you, you missed out, man. Right? Yeah. Yeah. We would have been in the same class. And there was only five guys in my class, so I desperately would have been happy to have yet another guy. We probably would have been BFFs because I was really good friends with all five guys in the class. That's wild. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, when I was younger, I I grew up in a family of, there were six kids, three boys, three girls. You know, the, my parents were married, bef- uh, they weren't married before, so it wasn't the Brady Bunch, you know. However, we were all pretty close in age 
and um, we lived in the city, but it was great because we back up to state land. And so it was really strange where my parents probably paid like nothing in taxes, but I had woods all behind my house. So my mm-hmm. parents, it was what it seems like the old days now, Mike, where you weren't allowed to be inside until nighttime. And so we were outside all the time, you know, finding knives and lighters and doing really stupid stuff as kids. And, you know, we make our best friends on the street where we lived and together we all almost died many times. <laughs> but I I loved adventure, loved being outside, loved watching like John Wayne movies. It was like John Wayne was my hero. And so naturally I wanted to be in the military when I grew up and had all these plans. And so when I was in 11th grade, I started the process of applying to Annapolis and West Point, you know, did all my um, appointments and applications and tried to get uh, my uh, congressman to sign off on me. And it didn't happen. And with, this is funny. Uh, I was a little rambunctious in school. Uh, and to get to know me a little bit, I was the perfect kid for the people I wanted it to look like in front of them, but then I was a little bit nuts with the people I wanted to be. So like, I I was a chameleon. So um, I had this one teacher though, who saw right through it. And he, I remember him telling me, I don't really like this guy, but I remember him telling me that I will never make it to West Point because they, he said, they will tear you a new one. <laughs> <laughs> he said, you are a speed car. Uh, you're a fast uh, sports car driving down a road with a bunch of potholes. And I hated that he said that. And some of the motivation for me to try and do well in life is to kind of like prove people wrong. Sure. Right. And so um, I didn't get my West Point appointment, but I started working for Wegmans, uh, you know, your starter job as a cashier. And my aunt was a store manager for Wegmans. And she said, "You, I know you like, um, sciences and well, really the STEMs, you're good at the STEMs. And I had really good grades and I was in the advanced classes, didn't know what I wanted to do with it. She said, you should check out pharmacy. Um, it's a really respected job. You make great money. It's really, uh, family friendly. And so naturally I just, of course, by the seat of my pants, I got into the pharmacy as a tech and you know, the rest is kind of history, but, um, I, I was looking at my old yearbook not too long ago because my mom dropped off all this stuff for me. And I didn't know I even put this in there, but in my senior profile, it says, you know, future plans. I put pharmacist. Oh, wow. Yeah, Impressive. Point, I hadn't, I didn't think that was thing. Like, I didn't think I was really thinking about it like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, it just, it seemed like the type of job that I would have a great work-life balance make great money, you know, I could buy my Rolexes and get my Audis and things. And that was the funny thing is life doesn't turn out like we think as kids. Because I had some people in my class that were buying um, Mercedes, like brand new Mercedes while they're still in school. And looking back now, it's like, what? What were you guys doing? No, right, right. Um. But I will say this, like that structure, I, I think I'm a type of person that does, I'm going to say does better, but I am more satisfied in positions and jobs where I can just be who I want to be. 
fly by the seat of my pants. Like there's always something new. So I probably would have been a great trauma um, mm-hmm. provider. Like I would have mm-hmm. loved doing that job. I got to spend some time in the ER, loved it. However, I now find that most of my time outside of the structured part of my life in pharmacy, I still do that adventure stuff. I love going hiking. I love building stuff. My dad was an engineer, just like you said when you were growing up. I was going to West Point to do engineering. That's what I wanted to do. My grandfather was. He was a vet in World War II in Korea um, as an engineer. My dad became an engineer, and I was going to work for the same place. Um, It didn't work out, but I just remember, um, and this goes along with what you said, I remember my dad getting home uh, late, like you said. We would have dinner sometimes at like eight o'clock at night. Like that was a regular thing for our family. We were just busy. And he would work on cars or he would fix something in the house, but he always knew what he was doing. Like he would draw it out. I was always impressed. And he had perfect engineering handwriting, you know? So when I was in high school, I, I tried to mimic that. And now I write in all black lettering, but I just remember seeing him work all the time like that. But what I respected was Anytime there was something that needed to be addressed that was a structural issue or some sort of engineering thing, um, we had to fix something. He knew how to do it or he'd figure out how to do it. And that's what I love about being a pharmacist is although sometimes I can be a little bit hard on myself as we all can in our career, um, feeling like I don't really know that much or my job isn't that important or what am I even doing? When you talk to somebody who doesn't know the career or doesn't know, uh, doesn't have the information that you have, you are that expert. Um, and so I really respected that. And that's what I really like about my job is, although sometimes I don't feel like that, I usually have the answer or can find the answer for folks uh, looking for it. And that's probably my favorite, my favorite part about my job is helping patients understand their disease better. Um, and I don't know, it's, I didn't expect to be in this position in life uh, now, but I'm glad it turned out this way. I don't know how I, I think I would have been done okay in the military once they beat it out of me a bit, you know, <laughs> take the individualism away a bit. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's, that's why I ended up uh, where, that's why I ended up where I am today. That's a weird Yeah, I, I think it's so fascinating how often the path that we think we're going to be on or the path that we plan to be on may take twists and turns. And sometimes we find our path serendipitously. Sometimes it is through lots of planning. Because I think both of us, it sounds like both of us actually had a pretty firm idea of what we wanted to do. But at the same time, things maybe didn't turn out exactly like we wanted or like we thought it we wanted at 16 years old. But even as you're telling that, I'm reflecting on the influence of our fathers and what our fathers' careers were and how they they changed us. And for me, as I said earlier, early on, a big motivating factor is I didn't want to have a job where I was working late. I didn't want to be always stuck at the office. And as I've gotten older, as I've gotten into my career, I think that has shifted because I love what I do and I do end up often putting in a lot of hours. But for me, I think the big thing still that influences from watching my dad growing up is I am obsessive about trying to make sure that I am home as close to when the kids get off the bus as possible. Where I work, uh, usually if I'm in clinic, I work 7.30 to 3.30. 
my kids get home between 3.30 and 4. So for me, a really, really important thing for my work-life balance is I want to be home as close to 4 o'clock as I can be because then from 4 to 6 is really great quality family time, then dinner, and then the chaos of sports and, and after after dinner activity starts. But I've realized as I've gotten older that it's not as much for me of needing to punch the clock and have a 9 to 5 because I... I I love what I do. It it breathes life into me when I'm working on projects or patient care. So it's not that I need to work less hours. I really love when I work, but I want to make sure that I'm having that availability that I'm around. Yesterday, I got home a little bit later than I wanted. I got home at 5.30 and it was still light out. So as my wife was finishing up making dinner, just on the, on the spur of the moment, we loaded up the bikes into the car and went over to a church in our neighborhood and let the five-year-old and the three-year-old practice on their bikes. And we just did that for a half an hour. And it was lovely. It was not a ton of time, but I felt like it was still really great quality time to wrap up the day, to make sure that we were present in the moment, having good connection and good uh, time together. So it's fascinating how we've both been heavily influenced by watching our dads and maybe that influence has evolved or changed as we've gotten older and as we've kind of found our path and things that we thought we wanted to do differently from our, our parents are things that we're actually doing similarly or vice versa. So it, it really is fascinating. Well, it's funny because uh, I've read this many times, but how the generations have changed. Our grandparents were the generation where it doesn't matter if you like a job or not. It sure. doesn't matter about really how often you are at home. It's you need to put food in the table. And that is right. Yep. You need to provide. Mm-hmm. And then our parents, it was more um, success in the workplace, uh, like whatever we have to do to get success in the workplace. And then our generation uh, was more along the lines of work-life balance, want to make sure that we still enjoy the money that we're making. Uh, life is more than work. Uh, and now the next generation that's coming, we have to teach our kids or try to instill something in our children. And the odd thing is, even though I'm in a profession that, you know, there's professional organizations, there's um, in any sort of clinician type position, there is this air of some sort of like respect in in uh, the healthcare system or among people in our family, albeit uh, I'm now to the point where I just want my kids to be happy with what they're doing because I'm, I'm convinced that if you love what you're doing, like you said, Mike, like it breathes life into you, you're going to be successful. I don't care if you're a maintenance guy, if you love what you're doing and you want to move forward, you're going to own your own maintenance company or Mm -hmm. be head of maintenance for uh, Mm -hmm. college or whatever it is, like you're going to do well with it. So what I try to do as well is, is make sure I take the time with my family where it seems pointless, like playing Fortnite with my kids, like why we could be doing something else, but they absolutely want to do it. So just do it, you know? So I I love that although we aren't where we expected to be, like you said, as, um, as kids, uh, we are taking where we are now and still forming it into what we want for our families, for ourselves. Uh, and I, I'm not going to toe down ourselves too much, but I think that it took a lot of time, pain, and effort to get to that point, though. Um, but 
I'm I'm excited for the future because I want I want to continue to instill my into my kids just to pick what you want to do. Now, I'm gonna take a step back because we were talking a little bit about career. I want to ask a little bit more about your history too. Did you play any sports when you were in school or younger? Or- yep. Yeah. Because usually when we start, we don't stick with the same thing as we're younger. Oh no, we're 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 German immigrants. Well, I'm you know, grand my grandparents were so soccer. Soccer, 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 soccer. That was that was the sport. I don't think there was necessarily an option. It was just presumed that we would all play soccer. And I'm thrilled because soccer is the greatest sport. So I did do baseball for a couple years and I enjoyed it. I think I was fairly decent at it, but then it, uh, you get to a point in Little League where baseball season, travel baseball season conflicts with travel soccer season. So then I think, I don't know, maybe at nine or 10 years old, I had to drop baseball. So then my childhood was all soccer. We played travel. So not anything intense. And then in high school, I did soccer, basketball, and track. And it makes me a little sad because I think basketball was my best sport, but it's also the one I started latest. I didn't start doing that until eighth grade. Never even touched a a basketball till eighth grade because, you know, us Germans, we didn't basketball. What? Uh, So I was behind the eight ball with basketball, which maybe was a little bit disappointing. But I think sports, actually, as we're talking about parents and things like that, I am so, so thankful to my parents for how they approach sports. Because now as a parent, I am terrified of toxic sports, youth sports culture. And my parents were incredible. So they had a, my mom's philosophy of parenting is very much one of benign neglect. Like the the mentality was you as a parent are not there to be your child's playmate. You are not there to entertain And similar to what you said, so much of my childhood was just turning loose and playing with neighbor kids or playing with siblings. I remember my mom always reading books to us. Like she would always, when I was little, read books. But beyond that, like we were not necessarily doing crafts. She would not have these grand activities planned. She was turning us loose and we were, you know, left to our own devices. And I love that. And as our parenting culture becomes so helicopter and trying to plan out every child's minute of every life, I'm appreciative of the fact that I just got turned loose and did whatever I did. And I'm trying to replicate that with my kids of giving them an incredible amount of autonomy. But with sports, it was also great because my parents were incredibly supportive of sports and they would drive us to all our things, but they were not the parents that were on the sidelines screaming and yelling at the ref. They were not the parents that after I got done with the game, you know, my, my dad or mom would be like, how, how, how did you do that? Why didn't you play harder? You know what? You need to practice more. They never really got on us to practice. They never really got involved. Sports was our thing and they supported us in our thing, but they weren't micromanaging us. They weren't pushing us to perform. It was just an activity that they supported. And my brother played soccer at a pretty high level. He was very talented and ended up playing at Premier and and going up the chain that way into Olympic development, things like that. And they supported that. But at the same time, they were never... Uh, involved to the point where it was not fun. And I'm so appreciative of that because I think youth sports culture has gotten so toxic where they're starting kids too young in activities that are too intense and it's taking the joy out of the game. And really, 
if you look at statistics, none of our kids are going to become pros. None of our kids are probably even going to get a, a college scholarship. So what's the point? The point of sports is to learn teamwork, to learn adversity, learning how to lose and fail. Because in sports, that's a really important thing, life skill set for you. And those are the important things. And if you are forcing your kid to be out in the backyard practicing for three hours a day because you're just, you know that little Johnny is going to be the next greatest athlete, those lessons aren't necessarily going to be learned. So I really, I just love my parents' approach to sports. They would, you know, come to come to my games when they could. And if they couldn't come to my games, they didn't. And I'm appreciative now as a parent that I did not view myself as the center of my parents' universe growing up. And I think that's an important thing. They had lives and they had other things too. So I'm trying to replicate that with my kids. One of the things that I did now as a parent is I swore off, I will never coach one of my own kids because I want my relationship with my kids' sports to be one where I am there. I am a fan. I am supporting them. I am their cheerleader. I am not there to criticize. I am not there to tell them what they did wrong. That's the coach's job. And I'm not going to coach because I don't want those lines to blur. Anything that my kid is doing that way, I'm there to be their cheerleader. The coach can be hard on them, but I am not going to be their coach so that I can always be the one that's supporting them. Yeah, that's um, my dad was wasn't like that either. And I say my dad and not my mom only because my sport was primarily wrestling. And I, I played soccer. I played baseball. I wasn't that great at those. Um, I mean, I did well enough to play varsity, but I got a lot of red cards in soccer <laughs> as a right fullback. And I was mm-hmm. just like, well, you got to lay people out. Yeah. If I can't, if I can't juice these guys, I'm mm-hmm. just lay them out. So if they're sending the ball to the corner, you're going to make the Sorry. the striker pay for it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, so wrestling, I give it to my dad. My dad worked hard um you know 60 80 hour weeks but he somehow is still made it to my weekend tournaments and they were all weekend <laughs> i would wrestle maybe four times max like because you only wrestle until you lose twice and unless you make it to the end mm. so four times max and if you'd be there the whole weekend with me doing absolutely nothing you only the maximum amount of time would be six minutes on the mat. And that's if you took all six minutes. It's wild. Like, yeah, I don't want, I, I want my kids to wrestle, but I don't want to do that all weekend. It's incredible that he did that. But when we were growing up, we were required to pick one instrument. We had to pick an instrument um, that was a non-negotiable, but we were highly encouraged to play sports as well. And, I mean, there's tons of studies now to show that playing a sport and playing an instrument helps with the right and left brain. And even especially with ADHD kids, it's supposed to help manage um, symptoms uh, as well. So it makes sense now that it helps so much. I did so well in school probably because of that. Um, but same as you, my my father never coached my teams and I'm so glad they didn't because I didn't want that either. I saw the pay, the parents who were doing that um, or the parents who, the hockey parents. Now, no shade on anybody who um, has a kid playing hockey at home. Oh, no, we can throw shame at hockey. Parents. Okay. <laughs> but, like, I mean, honestly. Toxic culture. For every weekend yeah. for a tr- uh, hockey trip. So right. that's just something that mm-hmm. Kittle and I didn't want to do. Um, and my kid keeps asking me to play hockey. 
And unfortunately, it's I think it's for their best interest, but I yeah. have to say no. <laughs> I mean, we, we've been very, yeah, we've been very mindful. Like, for example, now we have three out of the four kids are in basketball, but we're in a basketball league. Actually, it's run through our church, which is pretty cool. That has its practice and the game all in a one and a half hour session. So they spend the first half hour practicing, then the 45 minutes or whatever in the game. And the five-year-old is the 9 a.m. session. The seven-year-old is in the 10.30 session and the 10-year-old is in the 1 p.m. session. So we're there. We're at the gym for six and a half hours every Saturday morning. But having it all in one day, having it all back to back, we just, we pack snacks. The kids you know, hang out with their friends because there's other kids there. And it really ends up being a wonderful day, not only supporting the kids, but also just in terms of community because all the other parents are there. We're just drinking coffee on the bleachers. So it, it ends up being great. And I'm appreciative because I think we were very intentional and mindful of, yes, we want them in sports. We see that as an important thing, um, a great way to build teamwork, to, to learn those types of things. But we're also not going to enroll our eight-year-old in an AAU tournament where we have to drive to Massachusetts. Yeah. When he's 15, if he's showing that he has ability to to rise to that level of playing at a high level, then we will certainly support that. But we're going to let it be more directed by his ambition, his talent level, and his interest or willingness to pursue higher things. We're okay having it be a super low-key event where we just drink coffee with friends. I'm going to say that this the theme of this uh, conversation is developing young people into who they can be, the best thing that they can be. And I mean, I, I think all of us as parents make mistakes and all of us do things mm -hmm. correct and we didn't mean to do that thing correct. So I, I, I agree. I, I'm happy that uh, we've learned what we've learned from our past. Not everybody gets to reflect as, as much or not everybody takes stock in that. Um, but I think that reflecting on these types of things uh, enables us to make sure that our kids or the next generation or even the students that we talk to in the workplace or residents that we're working with to be able to let them glean some of these things off of us. Because mm -hmm. I, I think it's important for the people that I work with or my students to know who I am um, to a deeper level than just mm -hmm. a teacher, a pharmacist, an employee, because I remember the teachers and people who were most influential in my life not the ones who taught me the skills in my workplace or even my coaches teaching me the skills of what I learned in the sport, but rather the life lesson where I can probably give you a handful 10 times where somebody who I didn't expect pulled me aside, gave me some really good advice that had nothing to do with what we were learning. Um, they were just teaching a life lesson. And I think that really did drive my pathway through life. So I think it's important for people to know a little bit more about who you really are so that they can glean those things and grow. Yeah. I think the best parenting advice I ever got, and unfortunately I forget who told me, but was love on them, love on your kids and make sure that they know that the love is unconditional, that no matter what you love on them, everything else you'll figure it out. Because every kid's going to be different. Every parent is going to be different. Everyone's going to have their own struggles. But if you are you love your kids, you are showing them unconditional affection, support, and love, and they know that, everything else is tertiary or secondary. Well, this was an interesting conversation. I think 
uh, because the theme primarily ended up being uh, the transitions in life and how we made those transitions. Probably talk a little bit more about personal things like this in the future. Yeah. Um, just don't bring up anything about red hair. <laughs> well, what I think we we maybe don't have time today, but another interesting conversation would be military service as it relates to healthcare. Because you wanted to go military, but ended up not doing it. And I did go military, and I think had a lot of benefits. And I'm still trying to recruit you into the military. So I know. It's funny, Carolyn, uh, we were sitting back after we had that conversation. She's like, John, there's no way, right? I was like, oh, <laughs> I don't know. It, it is, uh, it, truly, it is one of the most potent career career accelerators, in my opinion. But So that's maybe another conversation for another day, because I, I think there would be a lot of people to, that would have interest in that topic. That's also true, yes. Man, <laughs> man, there, yeah. I've had, I had a, a month in the San Antonio desert and I think I lost almost 30 pounds. And at the time I was not in a position to lose 30 pounds, but just lots of marching, lots of hot. So yeah. Anyways, you want to do some personal items? Um, yeah. I mean, I don't, this is just a personal episode. We didn't but... do any personal items. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll go through my personal items. Um, it is starting to become perfect outside, Mike. In today in Rochester, it's going to be 67 degrees. I know. And I'm so, stuck in the office. Well, that's the thing. I have, um, I've got the morning off, but I got to close it up tonight. So, Ugh. yeah. So I'm not going to be able to enjoy it too much. But, um, the last couple of days has been like that. Tomorrow is going to be like this. And I started getting my kids involved in some of the building projects I'm doing. Nice. And I've really had to take, you know, a level off because I want to micromanage these things. My dad always, I mean, no pun intended, drilled it into my head that tools are not toys. Um, and you you have to use the right tool for the right job. If you were caught using a crescent wrench to hammer in something, he would murder you. So I have to do my best to watch my kids and not like just crown them. So I let them take apart some stuff yesterday, let them drill some stuff, cut some stuff while I was just standing there and it tried my patience because I was worried about them, but I taught them how to stain. I taught them how to do a miter uh, cut. I taught them how to use a drill correctly. And it was like, it was a lot of fun. And I like working alone when I build stuff, love working alone. And so that this was when they came in, I was like, oh God, I'm never going to get any of this stuff done. And it ended up being a whole night of teaching these things and they were having such a good time they felt so important <laughs> too uh so that's what you see behind me today is i finally stained them um those panels they helped me do that um it's a it's just it's a slow burn uh letting them help me with these things but man whatever i think uh for my personal item i'm starting to get the the hiking itch i haven't hiked anything in a couple months and it's showing so we are, I'm going to Denver in a couple weeks and I'm going to stay a couple days through because anytime I go to Denver, I always want to look for an opportunity to, to stay through. So I'm going to have my wife tag along with me because we have a Southwest Companion Pass, which is the most amazing thing ever. So she can fly on Southwest for free and I got to figure out what to hike. So there's a mismatch in my family because I love like embracing the hurt 
So I love hiking in the winter and, and having to use an ice axe and, and just being miserably uncomfortable because that's part of the fun. And Natalie, to her credit, I, she, she'll put in some type two fun. She'll, she'll endure some suffering, but I think there's maybe less tolerance of, you know, minus 20 degrees through ice and snow and all that. So in, in a perfect world, I would love to go do a 14er in the winter, but I'm very, very happy if we just end up snowshoeing in Rocky Mountain National Park or doing something more picturesque. So I've, I, the hiking bug is back. It's been a couple months since I've done anything, so I'm hoping to satisfy that in the next few weeks, which will be fun. What a what a great job you have. Yep. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, I try to. I, I think I'm mindful of that. I recognize how privileged and blessed I am. Where a lot of times I'm traveling places on someone else's dime, and I want to make sure. Even like last week, we talked about Miami. Anytime I travel somewhere, I'm always thinking to myself. Do I have an opportunity to carve out, even if it's just a couple hours, to experience something in this location that I can't do at home? I'm very experientially driven that way. So, uh, yeah, I love hiking, obviously, but even down in Miami, I think I'm actually going to be able to mountain bike. I know last week I said I wasn't going to. I think I'm going to try and make it work and hope I don't break anything for my meeting. But, yeah. Well, you can still sit and do a podcast if you break something. As long as I don't break my jaw. So, we'll we'll see. Okay. Right. (laughs) Well, listen, you, I, I did the intro. I haven't done intros or um, outros in such a long. I'll time. do an outro. But the thing is, I was gonna say you, your outro is. I mean, okay, you've got right. it down. Perfect. We'll do the outro. <laughs> well, thank you everybody for joining us on this awesome off-script episode that maybe ended up being a little bit more Freudian and talking about our childhoods than we yeah. expected. But I hope it was enjoyable. We are White Coats of the Round Table. If you like what you hear, consider giving us a follow, even leave us a review. If you don't like what you hear, definitely don't review us. This is Mike and John. Have a great week, everybody.